Welcome to Word Today. I am your host, Levi Johnny Griffin. And if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. So I need you to identify yours and check it at the door because on Word Today, the only opinion that matters is God's. Today, we're going to talk about the cross, uh, the tale of two sinners. You know, I get the question of, is everyone saved? You know, there's the cross and on the cross, it wasn't just Jesus. If you've ever driven by a church and seen the three crosses, well, that represents Jesus normally in the center. And on each side is two crosses representing the two sinners that died on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus didn't die on the cross alone. He, He was wedged. Between as it is represented with the three crosses on the church. But in reality, we don't know if he, he could have been on the left side. He could have been uh, on the right side. We could have been just one big circle. And we really don't know the configuration. But on side of Jesus, we do know there was two other people that were dying. And one, if you go to Luke 23, uh, appeared to got saved. You know, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus says, cool beans, man. I, I'm with you. I got you. You'll be in paradise with me. And the other guy's kind of not mentioned after that. So is everybody saved? Can anybody be saved? Do people go to hell? Does hell uh, real? What what happens uh, to sinners uh, when they accept Jesus? And, and it's just it's kind of like what what did that whole moment represent? What did it represent? And really, it represents us and our faith, our ability to accept Jesus for who he is and our ability to reject him. That's the beauty of free will. We're not puppets. We are. The the Bible says we're like gods and we're like gods in the fact that we can choose what we want to do, what we want to say, who we want to love. And that includes God. We're going to go a little bit deeper into that right after this. So in Luke 23, we see two sinners on the cross alongside our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the sinners rightly admits that they both deserve to be hung on crosses and asks for Jesus's favor. And the other totally rejects Jesus and kind of mocks and makes fun of him. The one sinner who who accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior um, is mentioned as being uh, Jesus says, hey, man, you'll be with me in paradise. The other one is kind of really isn't mentioned at all. But this really, these two sinners have a deeper role to play in civilization as they represent and in humanity as they represent um, the questions that all of us face. And I think they bring up four critical questions. One, can anyone be saved? These aren't like the best among us. These are two people who admittedly deserve to be hung on crosses. That was the method of torture and punishment and murder for criminals to be hung on a cross. Jesus wasn't the first, wasn't the last. So can anyone be saved? These guys are criminals. They're the worst among us. And one got saved on the cross. So can anyone be saved? Second critical question. Can you be saved even if you've done some really bogus acts? You know, on the cross, you see the two sinners, but you say, well, Jesus, you know, didn't deserve to be hung. These guys admittedly deserve to be hung, but maybe they were they didn't do things really all that bad. What about someone that's, you know, the worst? What about rapists, pedophiles, murderers? Can, can they be saved? Can can they? Don't you 
Don't we really want them to be punished and go to hell? Can, can they be saved? Third critical question. What if you lose your faith? We're saved by faith, but what if you lose it? What if one day you say, you know what? I really don't believe in Jesus anymore. Fourth critical question. Did both sinners have the opportunity to be saved? We know one. Uh, Jesus says, hey, man, you'll be with me today in paradise. But did but did both? Did the other one have an opportunity and just reject it? Or did he not even have the opportunity to begin with? In Romans, it talks about predestination. God knows who's who's going to love him. Did both have the opportunity or was one destined to love him and the other destined to reject him? Well, let's jump in. Luke 23, starting at verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, some translations might say Golgotha, just means the skull or the place of the skull. When they came to the place called the skull, they there they crucified him, talking about Jesus, and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by, looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If this is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. Now, side note, this wasn't put there most likely as a declaration, but more more so as a continued way of mocking him. It's kind of like if a team continues to lose and you give them jerseys that says state champions. You know, you're really not calling them state champions. You're really poking fun at them. 39, one of the criminals who were hanged there, was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, just Jesus speaking, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. So aside from our four critical questions, this kind of raises a whole new ball of questions. One saying stuff like this is what got Jesus killed in the first place. What does that mean? Uh, Jesus saying, hey, man, you will be with me in paradise today. That's what. That's what got Jesus killed. And that's not a question, but that's more of a statement. That's what got Jesus killed in the first place. Hey, I'm forgiving sins. I'm bringing people into heaven. Um, and that's what made him want to kill Jesus. Like, man, you think you're God just to find out he was. But the question that it raises that, it, that, that rises out of this is who gave Jesus the right to invite people to heaven? And another is why didn't the other sinner choose to be saved? Why didn't he just choose to choose to be saved? Now, as we read, we find out God gave Jesus the authority to invite people to heaven. And one sinner notices this and the other doesn't. And and why did one sinner notice it and not the other? Why didn't the other sinner choose to be saved? And that goes to the lens. We all have a lens. Matter of fact, I open up every single podcast by saying what? We all have lenses. We all 
have a lens, you got to identify yours and check it at the door because the only opinion or the only lens that matters here is the lens that God gives us, right? That's that's the opening of virtually every podcast. Um, and here we got to understand the lenses of the two sinners on the cross because they represent all of us, right? We all have that choice to choose, um, that, that ability to choose Jesus and say, hey, remember me, Christ, when you come into your kingdom. And we have to also have the ability to mock Jesus and go, eh, I'm good. Right. I don't need that Christian stuff. I don't need that religious stuff. I, they go too far. I don't really. Uh, that's, I don't need all that. It don't take all of that. I don't want all of that. Who needs it? We, we have the ability to be either sinner because we're all sinners. The Bible says we're all sinners saved by grace. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. I mean, we're all dirty. We're all nasty. We're all on the cross next to Jesus. It's just which sinner are we? The sinner that says, Jesus, remember me. Or the sinner that says, nah, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. But to understand why one accepted and one rejected, we have to know their lenses. So let's go to the first, the, the one that actually uh, seeks Jesus and seeks Jesus' favor. Let's go to his lens. His lens would come from uh, Hebrews 11. So go to Hebrews 11 and let's start at verse 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen for by it, the men of old gained approval by faith. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is visible seen or what is seen was not made out of things which are visible by faith. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. What is all that saying? It's saying that, listen, let's, let's just wrap it up all in verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God for he, the person who comes to God, must believe that God is. It means God exists and that God is a rewarder of those who seek him, that God rewards those who look after him, that that seek his face rather. So to have God save you, you must first believe there is a God who saves. Example. No one reaches for a branch that they don't believe is there. Tim Keller talks about this um, in his in one of his books and in several of his speeches. He says it's not uh, the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith. Uh, and Pastor Keller goes on to say that you don't have to have like that mountain moving faith, that super strong faith, that walk on water faith. Uh, but you have to have uh, the object of your faith has to be good. This is the example that he gives. Says a man falling off a cliff. He has a whole lot of faith in a weak branch. So he uses all of his might to grab this weak branch. The branch is weak, so it breaks and he falls and dies. He had a lot of faith, but the object of his faith wouldn't support him. And another person falls off the same cliff. He doesn't have a whole lot of faith um, that he's going to live, but there is a branch that 
you know, another branch that he could possibly grab onto. And he says, you know what? I think I'm going to die. But, you know, at least I go out swinging. And he grabs it and it saves him. It's strong enough to support his weight. So he had a very little faith, but he had a little faith in something that was strong enough to save him. So Tim Keller says that if you have faith in Jesus, little faith in Jesus is better than a lot of faith in the world. Because you say, hey, I'm going to try this Jesus thing and see, see if it works. Jesus is strong enough to support you. Right? Jesus is strong enough to support you. So Hebrews eleven six is saying, hey, you have to believe that Jesus, that God is strong enough to support you. And that he rewards with heaven, with blessing, with love, with forgiveness, those who seek him. Now that brings us to the next question, right? If you lose your faith, one of our critical questions, if you lose your faith, then can you still be saved? Well, here we see that God saves those who seek him, those who believe that he rewards them that seek him. What does that mean? That means that if you lose your faith, then you've lost your way because you have to seek him. If you stop seeking him, then you'll stop what? Finding him. There's this beautiful song that says, the, the more I seek you, the more I find you. And it's, it's, oh, I love that song. And it goes on, the more I find you, you know, and it just goes, and it's, it's beautiful, but it's true. You, you don't find, uh, the road that you're not necessarily looking for. And I'm not talking about getting lost and stumbling upon a road. You won't necessarily stumble upon this. You have to seek it. And he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. You know, if you knock, I'll answer. If you look, I'll be found. Um, you seek me, hey, I'll be here. But if, if you, if you don't look for me, then you won't find me. And that's the lens of the very first, uh, the sinner, the one who, who believes in Jesus. He, he believes in Jesus. He believed that Jesus is the savior. He even defends Jesus saying, Hey man, do you, do you not fear God? Do you not know that God is on the cross next to you? Do you not fear God? Do you not know who this is? This is Jesus, the savior. Don't look at his current position and not understand the mantle he has. He's on this cross because he's dying for you and me, not because he's unable to save himself. Everybody else wanted some miraculous display of power. Save yourself, Jesus. Get off the cross. Summon some storms. Summon some angels. Show yourself big. If you're really the Christ, do something amazing and Christ-like. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm on this cross dying for you. That's what's really Christ-like. And they couldn't get it. But the one guy, he got it. He got it in a major way. And he may have lived his whole life acting a plum numbskull. Right? But Jesus saved him. Because he had a little bit of faith. In a very strong branch. The branch of Jesse, as the Bible would say. Now, the second center, he looked at his lens on salvation was a lot different. He looked at it in a very traditional way to the people, to the, the, he looked at it through the lens of the Mosaic law, the law that God gave to Moses for Israel and all believers, which is how a lot of people that hate Christianity, who hate us, hate everything that we stand for. That's how a lot of them look at it through this lens. He would have been brought up um, in the era of, you know, Exodus 20, that Mosaic law. And he'd been, he would have been able to quote them. He would have been able to speak them aloud. And with that, he would have felt, um, that they were unmeetable. You know, if you've ever t- 
taking a test and it's 500 questions to finish in 20 minutes or something like there's no way I can do this. And people that feel like, hey, man, the mosaic law, don't kill, don't steal, all of that. There's no way I can do it. You, if you don't feel you can succeed, you don't even try. You're like, I can't do that. I'm not. You, you don't even try. So the guy is not trying to acknowledge Jesus because he's looking at Jesus as the, the holder of the law. What is the law? Exodus 20. Let's start at verse 20. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, let's make this personal. Do you have other gods before God? And and let's make it plain and simple. Are there times you say, hey, man, I could go to church, but instead the game is about to be on at 12. Or I can go get they only have one hair appointment here or the kids don't want to go. So I'm not going to make them go. I'll just go. Or since no one wants to go, I won't go at all. A God is anything you put above God, above Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about not going to church every once in a while, but I'm talking about making a practice of just putting other things. You desire to go. You just put other things. Yeah, I want to go to church. I want to get involved. I want to do. But I just put other things before. If you have, then you become a sinner. And, and a criminal, you know, you don't you don't deserve to go to heaven. And that's how this guy would look at. It. Hey, I've had other guys before God and so I'm not worthy. So why even try now? Second, you should not make your, for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. All right. So it's saying don't make for yourself an idol, something that you appreciate more than God. Have you ever say, hey, I'm not going to pay my tithes, not because you didn't have the money, but because you wanted to make that car note because you had a really nice car. Or some other payment or, you know, you, you can't pay fifty dollars in an offering. But you'll go buy $50 worth of stuff you really don't need. You're making idols. And you, that, that makes you a criminal, makes you a sinner. And you say, hey, does one of, should one offense send me to hell? If you murdered one person, would that send you to jail? You're like, oh, it's only one person. You, if you uh, assaulted someone and they get, wanted to give you five years, you go, oh, I only assaulted one time. They're like, we don't, we don't care if you only... Uh, committed the criminal act one time. It only takes one time for you to be a criminal. So you go to jail. And in this case, you would go to hell. And that's how this sinner is looking at it. Like, hey, I've broken too many things. If you go to verse seven, excuse me, chapter 20, we started at verse two. Now, if you move on to verse seven, it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. That's number three. You ever stub your toe and go, Jesus. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, have you ever done that? Have you taken the Lord's name in vain? Man, what worst crime could you have? You're definitely a criminal. Destined to be separated from God for an eternity. Destined to go to hell. And that's how this guy, the second uh, guy on the cross, would have seen it. He's like, man, I can't uphold these things. The fourth is remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Have you ever did something on, on the Sabbath? You know, on that Saturday or or in this case, if you're an American, I'll say with the Sunday on Sunday. Like, hey, I'm a plan and I'm going to work all these. I'm going to do all this stuff on Sunday. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to relax. I'm not going to spend time with the family. I'm busy. I got things to do. It makes you a criminal. Verse 12, the fifth thing, honor your father and your mother. You ever told your mother off? Told your father off? Was upset about him? Cursed him behind their back? It was mumbled under your breath? 
Make sure you're a criminal. But number six, you shall not murder. A lot of you going, well, I never murdered anybody. God doesn't see one sin bigger than the other. So if you did any of the uh, former five, just like you murdered somebody, because God didn't see one sin is bigger than the other. Number seven out of ten, you shall not commit adultery. And you you may have committed adultery and going, all right, well, that, that makes me a criminal. I'm destined for hell. Or some of you may go, well, I never committed adultery. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, verse 28. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And this goes for uh, ladies, too. You're looking at a guy with lust in your heart. Let's make it plain. You've been looking at porn. You ever watch porn in your life? You ever watched a dirty magazine? You ever watched a girl go by and as she walked by, you kind of turned around to check out the backside and went, mm, right? She was married or you were married. That's adultery. You ever ladies saw a man and with his shirt off one of these commercials and go, man, and just kind of your mind just wandered for a second. You go, oh, let me reel that back. You just committed adultery. And you go, wow, now I'm a criminal destined for hell to be separated from God forever. Well, that's how, that's what this guy would have felt. Number eight. You shall not steal. You ever stole something, took something that didn't belong to you by accident or otherwise as a kid, stole somebody's toy as an adult, stole somebody's job. Maybe you lied on them. Maybe you, you, you ever just taken something that you know didn't belong to you, that you, you didn't deserve and you shouldn't have taken. And not that God blessed you and you got a promotion, but that you did something underhand. Or you took something that you shouldn't have. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's verse 16. That's the ninth commandment. You ever lied on somebody? Little lie, white lie. You ever lie, big lie, bold lie? It makes you a criminal. Tenth commandment, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, this isn't talking about stealing it or committing adultery again. They've already covered that. When he says covet, not talking about taking talking about being envious of like man i wish i had his house wish i had his wife i wish his children was with my children i wish his the stuff he had i wish he i had the stuff he had i wish i had the car and you just kind of like man i wish i was him god is like i gave you a life and i'm blessing you jeremiah 29 11 says hey i got a plan for you that was the plan for him i got a plan for you that makes you a criminal if you felt that way if you allowed yourself to envy someone else Makes you a criminal, a sinner, destined to go to hell. And that's how this man, the, the, the man that rejected Jesus, would have thought. That's how people that look at Christianity would have felt. Like, hey, I, you know, I, I'll never meet meet those standards. I've broken them. I'm destined to go to hell. I'm destined to go to hell. You know, and that and that's that's the difference. The first sinner would have saw Jesus as the savior. The, the second sinner would have saw Jesus as the condemner. And remember, if you've ever done even one of those sins, it makes you a sinner. A sinners go to hell. It's like court, right? Like, like I was saying, if you've, you've shot someone, even if it's your first offense, you go to hell. And this is the weight that that second sinner would have had. You know, unless you have a really, really good lawyer. You know, if you shoot somebody and it's your first offense, unless you have a really, really good lawyer who can get you off and pay the fines. You know, and you walk out of court promising never to do it again. Then you go, you go to jail. You know, if you, but if you have that good lawyer, you'll get off. But luckily, we as Christians, we have a really good lawyer, really good lawyer named Jehovah, who sent his son Jesus to defend us, 
and who paid the fine for sin and blood as we walk out of court, promising just, you know, we'll never do it again, but we do it again. But luckily, Jesus is on retainer and left enough money to cover future offenses. And that's how the first guy would have looked at it. The first guy was like, hey, do you know this is Jesus? Not the condemner, but the savior. Jesus even says it, man, I didn't come to condemn the world. I didn't come to condemn you. Man, I'm here to save you from condemnation, from the accuser. Satan, his name literally means the accuser. He's the one that's attack. You know, he's the prosecutor saying, but you did this. You lied. You, you lusted in your heart. You watched porn. You, you weren't a good mother. You weren't a good father. He's the accuser. And Jesus saying, yeah, but we paid the fine. I've paid his, I've done his time on the cross. It's not that the, the judge is saying not guilty. The judge is saying guilty, but, but you're getting released for time served. And you didn't serve the time Jesus did on your behalf. John 14, starting at uh, verse one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going, Thomas said to him. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Wow. Going back to our our four critical questions. Can anyone be saved? She says, yeah, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You know, no one goes to the Father but through me. But through me, anyone can go to the Father, right? What if you've done something really bogus, some really bogus acts? Well, if you've broken any of the Ten Commandments, then you've done a really bogus act. Jesus uh, doesn't see little sins, big sins. They're all sins. They're all sins. You either you either live perfect life, never breaking a sin, or you broke a sin. You're either a criminal or you're not a criminal. You're a sinner or you're not a sinner. Point blank. So there's no bigger or smaller. So that yes, that means that if you told one little white lie or cheated a little bit on your taxes, you're just as big a sinner as the pedophile and the rapist. Because you're either perfect, and perfect means perfect, absolutely spotless. You're either clean or you're not. And if you're not, then you need a savior. And everyone needs a savior. And everyone's on that cross next to Jesus. And we all can say, hey, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And if we do come to Jesus and seek him, he says, hey, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. We come to him and seek him. Then we can be saved. Did both sinners, our our fourth critical question, have the opportunity? Both sinners had the opportunity. But just because you had the opportunity doesn't mean you, you take it. We, we both could be sitting in front of a steak. One of us enjoyed, another one's like, eh, I'm not hungry. Just because you have the opportunity, don't mean you have the desire. All right? But Jesus says, listen. He tells him, I am the way and the truth and the life. What does that mean? What does that mean for both sinners? What does that mean for all of us? He says, I am the way. If you need to find a road that leads to help, I am the way. You need to find a road that leads to purpose. I am the truth about your purpose. If you need to find a road that leads to salvation, I am the life. I am salvation. 
You need to find a road that leads to peace. I am the way. You need to find a road that leads to joy. I am the way. The road to hope. I am the way. You need to find a road to love. I am the way. You need to find a road to a, a whole family. Jesus is saying, I am the way. If you need a loving father, Jesus is saying, I am the way. You need a brighter future. Jesus is saying, I am the way. You want a fruitful life. I am the way. A righteous life. I am the way. A great relationship with God, Jehovah Jireh. I am the way. You need to break the chains of depression. I am the way. You need love. I am the way. You need to love yourself. I am the way. You need to find your destiny. I am the way. You're looking for truth. I am the way and the truth. You want to find your way to heaven. I am the way. I am the way to heaven. I am the truth about why you are alive and why you are really here and the life you are always desired deep down to have. I am the way. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms, and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host the show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right, we live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.